Welcome everyone out to episode 108 of Utah in the Weeds. My name is Tim Pickett and I am the host here, a podcast about cannabis and cannabis culture starting right here in Utah, trying to branch out a little bit here and there. Today is a great episode, great conversation with Brandon Voorhees, a Utah patient that found medical cannabis after a traumatic brain injury and a horrific accident that that you should really hear about. Traumatic brain injury is something that a lot of people suffer from after, you know, getting in a car accident or getting in a bicycle accident. Uh, uh, we, we treat patients who've been hit by cars and things like that. Um, great story. Great guy, too. Uh, just a real, real uh, positive take on what, what could have ended up being uh, and really what was for a time. A devastating, devastating injury and situation for him. Uh, from a housekeeping perspective, Utah in the Weeds is well into its, uh, you know, second hundred episodes, weekly episodes. We release every Friday at 4:20, or at least we try to uh, try to stay up to date. If you know somebody who you'd like to to have share their story, or if you're somebody who feels like they want to share their story, go to utahmarijuana.org and find the podcast, reach out to us on YouTube at Discover Marijuana. Uh, we're doing giveaways on Discover Marijuana every couple of months. This week, I believe we're giving away a, uh, a desktop vaporizer volcano in partnership with one of the Utah cannabis pharmacies, Wholesome Co. out of Bountiful, Utah. Great pharmacy there. They do home delivery all over the state. Uh, Go to uh, go to uh, YouTube, Discover Marijuana to find out more there. Thanks for subscribing to Utah in the Weeds. Again, my name is Tim Pickett. Enjoy this uh, interview and discussion with Brandon Voorhees. Okay, so so start. How did you? How are you involved in the cannabis space now? I have been using cannabis as medicine for close to fifteen years ish now. 13 years-ish, about that. Um, And so I was using it kind of under the radar in the beginning anyways, or trying to. Um, But I was, as far as signing petitions and things, I wasn't as, you know, on doing the footwork like I I wish I could. I was working and supporting a family and things, but um, I was still one of the first cards. I'm card number 180. I, when, when the bomb dropped that your doctor could write you a notice saying Uh you've got your, you know, this is at least legal. I went to my doctor and he, he pulled the wall. We don't know what to do about that yet. And I was like, well, I think it's time to find a new doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I, I don't know if you know who Rita Rutland is out at restorative health. Um, she was, one of the first few writing a letter or at least giving that, that permission to say, Hey, this is, we're, we're using it as medicine. It's not, you know, a bunch of crap. It's not kids being stupid. Um, and so I, I was ready to fill out for my card like 10 minutes before it, it actually opened up on the EPS. Yeah. The, the EBS. Uh, yeah. EBS and, and so I got my card. Yep. And, and so I, I had one of the first cards and, and was able to go down to dragonfly and, buy a tincture within probably the first week yeah maybe. that's cool so i was i was still in the very beginning but 
because of it as well, I am all about trying to change the stigma like yourself. Um, there's so much that people think it's about uh, getting high, but if you looked at the list of medications I was on prior, um, there, <laughs> that's not even a comparison to what, what I was dealing with prior, right. you know? Uh, so I, I openly talk to people about this. I actually was able to speak at the Brain Injury Alliance's wellness fair. It happened to be going on the same exact days that you can nice. was. So, um, but I was able to get Julian to come out and, and do a little, little talk with me and, and, you know, putting something together to try and help people realize that there is a better option than the pills that are out there. And not just, is it a, another option, but I personally feel a better option. It's a natural option. It's not a, another pill that you're taking. I was on pills for the, the side effects of the other pills, you know, and then, and worst case with the cannabis is a, a night with some munchies and, and sitting on the couch. It's not like back in the day when I was on medications, there was no, um, what do they call it? A Narcon pill or no, yeah. no, uh, nothing to save your life. If you OD'd on, on opioids and I was being prescribed 60 Percocet seven fives every month. I used to carry them around in a little pillbox in my pocket like a Pez dispenser, and I was never without at least 20, or actually it was 60 Perks 75s, and I was always had 25 in my pocket. Like, I was always scared to be without it because of pain. Really? What's your, is it, and that's a lot of them, but that's, but that's, that's real. I mean, that 25 of them in your pocket all the time because you're really scared of not being with them. That's just, um... I don't know. I got to, I got to take that. Scary. Well, it's, you know, when you take it in, like as a, as a medical provider and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, you've got, you've got patients you're prescribing these medications to and things like that. But when you really think about it, okay, no, this person actually carries around their, their supply because there's a couple of things that go through my mind. One, you really are, you really are so dependent on it that you have to have it very close, right? You need to know where it is at all times. That's another thing. The fact that you mentally is you just, it's like your, uh, it's like a comfort blanket to have those pills in your pocket or with you, right? It's like a whoopee blanket. Mm -hmm. And then, and to, and to put that much on, to put that much dependency on, on a substance like that, um, just, just the fact that we've gotten to that point with people, you know, and we've, it's not that, it's not that providers encourage it, but they sure don't seem to be, they sure don't seem to be dealing with it, right? Like your provider wasn't necessarily dealing with it, I'm guessing, right? Just, just like, don't, don't well, overuse or else I'm going to drug test you and then, and then I'm going to cut you off. And, and mine wasn't like that. I don't know how much of my history you know, or if you've read my story on, <clears throat> I was featured on Wholesome's patient page a little while ago. Yeah, talk about, talk about your story. People really need to hear this. So, and here, this is where, it, even if you're not religious, there's guardian angels out there. So, one night, I had just proposed to my girlfriend um, all excited. I, she went to go pick up two children that she had from a, a previous marriage and I went to go, go 
I went to go meet them at home. I stopped at a drive-thru and picked up some shakes, and I forgot to put my seatbelt back on when I put got my wallet out. I take off down 3300 South and just above 2000 East. I had a Jeep Wrangler that was a little bit lifted and things, and I got in an accident where I clipped the other guy's front end. What he says, what I remember, don't jive, but either way, I rolled and was ejected from my Jeep. Um, literally fell out the soft top, hitting the right side of my head and my <clears throat> the whole upper shoulder and, and everything on the, the street. My dog ran home 26 blocks. She took off and ran home. Um, I was sent to the U of U. <clears throat> they, I had two epidural hematomas that they had to evacuate. So they did a C scar or a a C flap surgery, they call it, where they cut open all around here and had it open. Um, I've got 16 titanium screws and eight straps holding the sections of my skull together here under where I pretty much crushed it on the street. With that, I had a couple fractured vertebrae, broken scapula, shoulder blade. Um, my whole shoulder up here is, is just a scar from from hitting the road. I woke up in the burn section of the ICU of the U of U hospital four days later. When they went to release me, I they found that I was leaking CT fluid out my sinus cavity from a, a fracture in the forehead. So I had um, punctured my, my dura. Um, <clears throat> so they put a spinal tap in and kept me in there for a few more days until that had resolved. And then they sent me on my way. This was back June 3rd of 2005. So as far as resources for brain injury go, being released and resources for anything else that time, really there was nothing. It was, they made sure I could walk and talk and, and I wasn't a vegetable and they gave me my papers and sent me on my way. From there, I was having not just the pain issues, but I was having a lot of emotional issues. And so at that point, who do you go to? It was finding someone who had some knowledge of brain injury and it was put on the usual pain medication opioids along with there was gabapentin um there was amitriptyline selexa uh, or citalopram um a whole host of them that i actually went through a whole gambit of different ones where they changed it to Lyrica, tried another one and didn't work out. I had gone through Trileptal, Integritol. Yeah. <clears throat> um, not just headaches, but where the scar was from where they cut my head open right by my ear, the suspicion or what their thought is that the scar tissue is pushing against my trigeminal nerve. Oh, wow. And so it's it's causing trigeminal pain in my jaw. It feels like I got in a, a bar fight the night before. Like usually it's my face and my, my teeth that hurt. A lot of facial pain and that's my biggest issue there. So I also, I was at the point where I was just talking to a pain specialist about a subdermal pain pump. Um, I had gone through a gamma knife to try and desensitize some of the pain in the nerve. 
Um, I was doing acupuncture, um, <clears throat> pretty much all of these things. But with all the medications up and down, I was too emotionally. My wife was ready to be done with me. It was it was bad. So that's that's where I was, at least my injuries to kind of put me to where I was at that point where it was just boiling over too many things that were not working and just hurting me more than helping. How many years did you go through this before? And did you find cannabis in, in, I mean, what year, what years are we talking about? Your, your injuries in 2005. So this is, this is a long time before cannabis is legal in Utah. There's only a couple of States that it was even legal in, in that point and not something that, I would imagine you even considered. Um, it wasn't for probably three or four years into it. So my injury, I was 25. It wasn't till about 28 that, or I was 28. So about 2008, just about 2009, where I was, <clears throat> um, I think we'd been a, a trip to California and I had used cannabis when I was a younger kid in in later teen years, 17, 18, 19. And so I wasn't, you know, uh, I was familiar with it, but it wasn't until I was trying it later on that I was like, wow, this is <clears throat> not just the pain issue, but it's helping some of these other facets that are making it a little better off. And one of the biggest problems with taking a handful of prescription pills for breakfast is you don't you're not hungry or it throws off your whole gut biome at the same time, which they're now even finding out is like your second yeah, brain. We, we used to, uh, so I worked in GI surgery for seven years and people who are on chronic medications in general, but certainly chronic pain medications and um, antidepressants, chronic pain medications. Uh, you talk about like amitriptyline you're you're talking about messing with the motility of the gut in like some serious ways. The other thing you're you're about to say is the there are a significant amount of um, the same receptors that we consider uh, for depression, the serotonin receptors. There's tons of those receptors in the gut, mm -hmm. right? Um, so we're talking about a lot of the same type of tissue. In fact, have you ever read that there's there's very similar tissue in the gut than the brain, right? This is this is somewhat similar tissue. Yep. Yeah. So all these meds you're taking for your brain injury are having a they're playing a number on your gut. Oh yeah. And and what good does your brain do if you can't fuel it properly? If you're not fueling it properly, I mean my. My breakfast was maybe coffee and then the lunch of a Pepsi, can of Pepsi, and then maybe I'd eat dinner because by then I would finally be hungry at the end of the day after all those pills had kind of kicked right. off. But it, it, was, it was not just their side effects, but the trickling down other side effects of just taking them. Again, what good does a car do if you have no gas for it? It, it doesn't get you <laughs> right. anywhere. So when did you start using cannabis at all? It was about 2008-2009, four or five years after my accident. Yeah, four. What was, yeah, what was that? So kind of like an aha moment, you feel like, or just something you were like, oh, wow, 
I mean, this, this, this feels good. It seems to help. Well, that, that kind of was a little bit of that aha moment. Um, we had had a, a, a family trip to California and there was within that, there was a medication swap that, that threw me for a loop. That was a, a family fight that I will not never want to bring up, <clears throat> but that that's another side effect of medications. But it was kind of that this is helping the pain and not stupefying me as much as the Percocets and the other issues. And then when I started, because I was at that boiling over point already, it was like I had, I was reaching for something. Again, I told people I had an acupuncture appointment and people would look at you like you were crazy. You're going to go get needles stuck in you when you're in enough pain. A bunch of needles being stuck in you if it's going to help is nothing compared to other pains that you might be already feeling, you know? Right. I was at that boiling over point where I was searching outside the box when the pain specialist told me you want to put me on Roxycodone or Oxycontin or whatever the strongest was at that point. And then he talked about putting a pain pump under my skin that would refill monthly. That, that scared me to death. That scared me. And cannabis... The way it helped me, again, and, and because the only way to use it was to smoke it, inhalation. We didn't have the options we now have here in Utah. Um, that instant helping was huge because part of the problem I was finding also with the Percocet is when you're getting the onset of pain, you have to take it or you weren't going to get it relief from it. You pretty much had to make sure. And sometimes was it... Was I going to be in pain? I don't know, but I was taking it anyways, just to make sure because you didn't want to be in pain. It would ruin your day. Not just your day, it ruined your life. It ruined your life. And a Percocet takes how long to kick in? A good 45 minutes to an hour, depending on what's in your what you've eaten. And then you're stuck with it for a good six to eight hours. That whole issue with it as well. Smoking a little bit of cannabis at the time. I could, I could wait for the onset. Like I could make sure I was having an actual pain onset or something was coming before I had to actually do it. And it was a lot more immediate. Granted, it did wear off a little bit sooner, but sometimes I didn't need that eight hours of relief or and it's not relief. Getting that over it in that hour or two was more what I needed rather than that Percocet that was stuck in my system for eight hours on that yeah, ride, if you, you will. Yeah. Well, this, so you, so essentially it's, it's giving you a little more control. Exactly. A lot more ability to cater it to what I'm doing. And now with all the abilities or, or things we have here in Utah with, um, I love topicals all day. I've got a topical on, on this nerve here. And that, that does amazing job without giving me the head change or the yeah. effects that I'm not looking for when I'm trying to work or have clarity. <clears throat> you know, the, uh, the other idea of layering our medications now is, is huge to be able to get through a night of sleep. Yes, it is. The, the medication they had me on for sleep was Seroquel, which was a, a high, strong bipolar medication to my understanding. And the day they took me off that medication and put me on Ambien, Ambien, just I'd be laying in bed and be like, I'm not even ready for bed. I'm just, I'm high now because the Ambien was nowhere near what the Seroquel would do. But 
<laughs> Again, one more medication that that was thrown into the gambit to for this, that, the other. Guess what? Cannabis can also really help with sleep. <laughs> I mean, it, it was these. <clears throat> It, it was finding where it, it was needed and this one medicine, I could make it work where all this plethora of pills were being thrown at the wall and some helping, but still throwing me more out of balance. So did you end up getting completely rid of your uh, pain medicine? I still sometimes take some Tylenol PM or Advil PM once in a while, and of course some Advil or whatever, but I've gotten completely off of any prescription pills other than now prescribed cannabis that I was on in that time period. And I also put part of that to changing my diet. Every morning I now start out with a, a it's a, I'm not a vegan, but it's a vegan all-in-one shake that's got my my probiotics, my protein, my fiber, my veggies for the day, but it's at least putting that in there because I still have that feeling where I don't want to eat in the morning from the years of medication, but I need to have something to fuel my body. And so that's the, I've, I've changed the way, not just the medications, but kind of at least how I'm feeding my brain because I found, my wife will tell you that she can tell when I haven't had my my shake in a few days, my, my all in one, cause it, it, it starts to throw my brain off. It really does. So, um, it, I've found that that's, it, it's kind of in linked with natural cannabis, natural foods and helping all in one has changed a lot for me, changed my life completely. So, so what is it being legal? What is cannabis being legal and accessible to somebody like you really mean you know, beyond being, beyond just the use, right? We, you, you've talked a little bit about how using it has really freed you from the brain fog. It's giving you more control. You've used it to help your diet and your gut biome. I mean, it's really like cannabis has, it sounds like has really changed your life. And yet there's this legality piece of it that we really haven't talked about. And that's, when you started using it, it was still illegal, still under, you know, you were having to buy it out of state or buy it on the black market. But now that all that's changed. What's that, what's that legality kind of meant for you personally? Here in Utah, I mean, it's <clears throat> because it still even has such a stigma, even with now it having this accessibility issue, there's still so many people that frown upon it. I, but it brings me so much peace to where I feel I'm not having to hide it from, um, an employer. I'm not hiding it from my family. I'm not hiding it from my neighbors and my religion or all these things that just adds to tell you what, when you've got, when your brain or your computer is broken, and you have to tell it that it's thinking wrong or something. It, it, it just adds to the issues when you feel like you're hiding something, like it's not, you're not good enough or it's not, you know, you, you're, you're in the dark being sneaky about something. Um, I, I do try to be as open as possible now about it. I've, 
I'm lucky enough, at least the last couple employers, I've been able to say I use medical cannabis. I, uh, the last employer, it wasn't even completely out yet. And he said, that's fine. I've seen the way you work. I'm, I'm happy with, you know, your performance. Um, but it, it's such a relief, huge relief to just weight off your shoulders. I mean, <laughs> To not have to worry about looking over your shoulder and and worry, you know, driving in the rearview mirror, thinking that you're going to get pulled over and go to jail. I mean, when you've got a family, <laughs> that that's even scarier. That's even scarier when it's illegal and it's you've got your family involved. Yeah, there's no. It's not just you being stupid about something. Yeah, because it affects it affects a lot of people. I I think that's it's lost on a lot of people where you know that that legality is so important but you also bring up the other point of that which is the stigma associated with cannabis use and legality can't it doesn't necessarily uh you know get rid of that right it doesn't get rid of the stigma it mm-hmm. does it does for a lot of people and it does a lot of good but we're Mm-hmm. I hear you saying we're just you don't feel like we're there yet. <laughs> we're just not there yet. We've we've made such strides, but we're we haven't crossed that finish line because you talk about it and people still laugh and go, Oh yeah, right. Yeah, medical marijuana. But sometimes then they hear your story. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, then they listen right. to a, I'm exactly. telling you, I mean you listen to a story like yours and you're like, no, let me let me let me paint you a picture right here of Brandon Voorhees, who got in an accident in 2005, was essentially, who took a handful of pills for breakfast, and now is a contributing member of society. He's not addicted to pain pills. We're 15 years later. I mean, congratulations, man. Thanks. I, (laughs) it's, it's been a long, rough road. It's been a really long, rough road. Yeah. There's, and we still have work to do, uh, for for the other people, right? Because there's, because mm-hmm. for every for every Brandon, there is out there. There's got to be ten, twenty, thirty people who are still really in that mode of get up, got to have twenty five pills with me all day in my pocket. I'm gonna send you. You know what we ought yep. to do. Do you ever do you, do you uh do you carry do you carry your cannabis with you like that? I mean it doesn't seem like you probably need to. I that's the other thing is is I don't. It's something I can leave at home and I now get to work at home fortunately, but it was something where I would uh, use at home. I wouldn't have to um you know leave or or take it with me and use it at work it's not something i would have to do like that so it makes it a a lot nicer in the fact that i can uh use pretty much just at home and i'm not worried about it we're just talking about the stigma and and how the stigma uh right the stigma of cannabis is still such a big issue but but honestly it's getting better because if there's 30 people out there and that are that are you in the past and one of them listens to the podcast and finds cannabis then you know i guess we've i guess we've done our job right 
that's you know that that's kind of the idea is if there's at least one person who finds a better way to manage their pain and have a better quality of life from it i mean that's that's what matters uh, i would never wish on anybody what i went through and had to go through as a guinea pig to learn that lesson and to deal with it i mean it was it, it, it was a literal nightmare i mean it, it it's there's no way to describe i mean night sweats day sweats restless leg syndrome i mean so many things that you wouldn't even think of with a medication that's supposed to be helping you and you're getting yeah. these other issues that are nowhere near what and again then you're taking another one to counteract that and that one's causing these and and <clears throat> at one point when i had a they had me on tegretol and trileptal or switched them off my wife i was it was like a narcolept i i would sit down and pass out in 30 seconds my wife couldn't leave me alone with the kids i mean it was it, it's scary that that people are so afraid of what cannabis what, what cannabis does to you when did you if you ever saw what i looked like on all these medications <laughs> i mean it was like the next day i'd You're be like, like honey minute. what did we have for dinner <laughs> yeah that's that's a funny right like there should be a meme, right? You could you could be your own <laughs> meme. Everybody's so worried about me being a stoner, but this was this was me yeah. before, <laughs> right? Right, I, exactly. Me before addicted to drugs, and you know having having trouble keeping out a job, getting my family, me on pot. You know, have a job, have a family, happier. What kind of things do you do? What kind of things do you do for fun now? Um, I love I'm camping. We're a big camping family. We like the outdoors. Um, <clears throat> gosh, my wife likes to play in her garden. So pretty much yeah. playing outside. As long as it hasn't been 102 degrees to kill you lately, it, it's, it's right, trying right. to get outside and, and enjoy it, you know? That's cool. Are you restricted? Is your, do you get, you still get migraine headaches and you, you said you use a topical still and I mean, I'm using, using all kinds of cannabis, but, um, you still get migraines from the TBI and still have some, um, somewhat, um, I, I rarely get migraines. I, I did come from a family of migraine sufferers before, so they were kind of genealogically, I, I did have them here and there already, but nothing more because of it. The brain portion of it, I would say, I guess something that we refer to as drive-bys in my family. It's kind of like a bubble or something. You can feel it kind of working its way through. Like I'll be sitting there doing dishes or something and have a pinch behind my eye and kind of be able to feel it sort of move on through even, if you will. Um, Sometimes those leave a little bit more residual pain. Sometimes they'll come and go and, and just be gone. But those are those seem to be the other one that, that's a little bit harder on me is is the drive-bys. I'll get a few of those a day sometimes, and sometimes I won't have one at all. Um, but the bigger issue, like the weather and things, that's what sets off my jaw again. Like when we get the weird monsoon season clouds that, that can't make up its mind when it's cloudy and sunny and cloudy and sunny so so dude what what do you do for work well i was until recently i was i did small engine repair so i work on chainsaws lawnmowers 
rebuilding small engines and things like that. Um, I I actually just got hired to do it over the phone pretty much and help out dealers over the phone doing it. So, Whoa, virtual small engine repair? So like you're calling the... I work for the manufacturer. So if you call to get a, a warranty, I'm the guy that now is going to be like, okay, did you try these things? Did you do these things? Right. Yeah, so... Huh, that's cool. How te- how uh, how technology has moved the needle. Um, did is there something about this? Is totally random. Is there something about the environment? So I've heard small engines are like they're the thing that we need to replace because they pollute the air more than like cars. Is this something you guys talk about at work? Yes, and there is a yes and no with all that. Everything's got a pro and a con, you know. Um, you're giving and taking with all of that. A lot of people will will preach that a Tesla is super clean emissions. Well, if you've got enough solar panels at your house to power it, then sure, it's free energy. Most of our stuff is still coming from burning coal. So if you're plugging it into the grid at home, you're not a zero emission vehicle. Now, the idea is you're zero emission at the point of use. However, that kind of is, you know, um, here nor there. You're still going to be getting pollution, and the idea is lithium battery mining yeah, and all yeah. that jazz. You're that's, getting into other and that's stuff the um, so, you know, I got a gas. For example, I got a gas blower and a gas edger in my house, and I my my kids are like, Dad, we need to buy the battery powered ones, and I say, Look, this this one works. <laughs> I don't have to. If I buy a new one then the new one is I've got to waste this one, which is like this one's already operational. So repairing this one seems like it's less bad for the environment than buying the new one. And and essentially like all the plastic, all the boxing, all the battery, all all that stuff for the new one has a significant cost compared to like just using the one I have. I get that it pollutes. I don't know. I'm Maybe I'm just starting to become an old man. Am I becoming my own no, father? And <laughs> like, no, and I probably, partially, maybe. I don't know <laughs> your dad, so maybe. <laughs> um, but that is a very much, there's this idea that it's not powerful enough and things like that. Now, kind of where you were touching on, manufacturers do have to go by an emission standard. Granted, there's, certain things that people are more likely to do to their small engines on their own. Like people aren't, most people aren't ripping off their mufflers and catalytic converters on their cars and getting away with it very long. There is a certain standard that if a shop got caught doing certain things to your equipment that goes against the EPA, we can get fined $50,000. So it's a big deal to, to go against it and do it, make it worse, if you will. Um, but I know of cases even where people have brought equipment over from Europe and they are getting it taken away because it does not meet the standards of what we have here. So there are the, uh, a whole different game there. Now, when it comes to your equipment, when it wears out, I would probably recommend going with that. But I wouldn't say replacing it right now is helping out because then you are wasting what you have already, you know, and you're just putting that into either a lance right. or passing it along. Hmm. Um, but this is also a whole nother sales aspect. If you want to know the pros and cons, <laughs> we can go into that right. where it's, you never have to go. 
you never have to go get gas for it. There's a lot less issues with a gas or, I mean, a, a battery-powered yeah. equipment than a gas-powered. There's a lot more things you can do to ruin a gas-powered equipment, not the proper oil or, or things like that, where battery is go plug it in, and that's pretty much yeah. all there is. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting tangent. But, the future will go. Oh there yeah, eventually. for sure, right? the The future is all going to be. It just seems like it's all it's all going to be electric, except for weed. Harnessing Man, it, you're never going to get. <laughs> no, we vaporize it now. So, uh, well, okay. So, you uh, are you a, a flower guy? Edibles, vape carts. What works best? I mean, you you talked about topicals a little bit. Are you? Do you have a favorite strain? I don't have a favorite strain. I do have a tendency to go, see, now with all the science in these days, you don't talk about indicas and sativas. We talk about the terpene profiles. Um, with my prior ADHD, as well as with one of the things with some, with some people with brain injuries, um, the overstimulation, mm -hmm. that too much going on, and I'm not really, compared to the medications I was on, I don't mind something a little more sedating, usually. I, I feel that's kind of that, oh, yeah, okay, nice. I can breathe, for me, personally. That's my effect with it, where um, I do still like what would be a little more uplifting and what some people would call sativas, uh, but I do tend to, to lean a little more on that heavier yeah mercine and things that are going to give me a little more sedation yeah sedation just because it's a little more relaxing for me and like i said the medications i was on had me so lethargic already it's it, it doesn't bother me as much where some people you know they call it couch lock and would be stuck for hours i'm still the guy yeah. who wants to go hiking so how long do you think it took you to get a regimen down to where you know what to use and you you learned how to use it take you a few months you think or did it are you still working on it? Well, it, that's kind of what I was just going to say. I mean, besides where your healing might be, that healing process might be, what level you're at, things have changed so much and drastically over the last few years now that there's tinctures available for me and um, different ratio edibles. I mean, what was that five years ago? There weren't ratios of CBG to CBD. It was edibles, and they were trying to make them stronger and more potent with THC all the time. And um, when you are going through the black market, and there's that old term, you trust your dealer, there was a few places it was kind of, it, it's like shopping for a pharmacy now. I had to go for a few times and find someone who was more mm -hmm. about it as a medicine than it was about making a money or a profit on it. He was actually giving me better stuff at a lower cost, but it was more, I still even tell people mm -hmm. he was my apothecary. Um, it was somewhere where I could trust him a little more and know what was I was getting. Uh, he knew more about it than what everybody else had at the time. And, and he was also getting some, uh, he uh, was supplying stuff from out of state that was a little more, what you would call exotic sure. back in the day. I mean, we never saw all these other things. So it has become um, changing that regimen, kind of going with it. But I still, flour is my go-to. It was kind of what I always used and grew up right. with, if mm -hmm. you will, or it grew with me. And I'm, I also find that 
the flower gives you that little more ability of um, this one's a little more sedating or this one's a little more uplifting where your edible is kind of the same almost every time, except on how much you've eaten that yeah. day or that can change it where um, a tincture is very, very uniform. I love how a tincture, you know what you're going to yeah. get out of using it, you know? So it's, it's changed all the time and it, it it's, it's worked up to where it is. And like I said before, years ago, all it would have been was a right. bunch of flour. Now it's mostly topicals with some flour here and there throughout the day. Um, maybe so. Mm, cool. Well, this has been fun. Is there something else that we've missed? Anything else you really want to talk about? The <clears throat> something I kind of put together myself being a TBI sufferer, being traumatic brain injury, I kind of took that and, and rolled with it. And so I, I kind of put together what I call TBI cannabis, which is just if there's someone out there who wants to be informed on cannabis, like yourself, Tim, I'm, I'm not a doctor, though. I'm not a pharmacist. But I'm the guy who had to learn the lesson the hard way and has a little bit more of here, this is what I would recommend trying. Again, uh, it, just from being the person who was there. Because I've been to the pharmacies even where I asked the pharmacist, oh, well, what do you use? And when the pharmacist tells you he's never tried cannabis of any sort, but he's working in a cannabis pharmacy, you kind of go, look, I, 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 I respect your word of what your patients have told you, but you don't have that firsthand knowledge. It's a lot harder to connect with them at that point, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's something to be said about it. So that's kind of where I've, I've kind of put that together uh, just as, as being, you know, it's not like it's a business or anything at this point, but if someone wants to ask me about it, they can hit me up at tbi.cannabis at Gmail. And I'm willing to just kind of let you know, Hey, these are some resources. Your information is probably the first thing I throw out is your YouTube videos um, is here. Here's yes. some here's some info because I'll I'll just be a flood of too much and you'll never get it all. Here's some stuff to pick through and and see what might help with you. But I I just want to get it out there. I mean, let these people know who don't even consider it. Don't laugh at it. Right. Give it some give it some yeah. thought. I mean, it, it's not about the high. Yeah, give it give it a try. It's about a quality of life. So. No. Yeah. Well said. Well, Brandon, I I uh, I appreciate you coming on telling your story. I think it's um it's powerful to hear. Uh it's good for people to hear. We don't hear enough of it, frankly. Um a lot of there's a lot going on in the Utah cannabis space now and um you know, the more we can continue to just push legitimacy and and push this this type of use, the more the program will expand organically, mm -hmm. I think. And the more people can find it, that it will help. So I, yeah, congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you much. And for yourself, I, I love all you do. And I, I am just a huge fan of, of the show, all the shows you do. Uh, the information all around is just, it, it's phenomenal. So thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. For those of you who aren't subscribed to the podcast, Utah in the Weeds, Utah in the Weeds. My name's Tim Pickett. Brandon Voorhees, thanks for coming on. Uh, stay safe out there, everybody.